Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Easter edition of the PFF forecast. It is April 4th, and this is going to be a great episode in large part because we finally are going to dive all the way in to win totals. We're going to go over the AFC, all of the win totals for the AFC, and we're going to talk a little bit of draft, of course. We're going to talk about this uh, Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase slash Kyle Pitts debate. It's raging everywhere. Everyone has a very, very strong opinion. We're going to dip, dive into it on this episode. Let's rock. Before we get started, I got to remind you about some big things for the draft that are coming up. Obviously, to prepare for the draft, go to pff.com, get a PFF Edge subscription that gives you the PFF NFL draft guide, the best draft guide, period. It is full of PFF data, write ups from the analysts that have watched every single play twice. That's Mike Renner. Um, it is fantastic. So go check that out. And also, on April 29th, that's the day of the draft. The PFF NFL Draft Show will be live on pff.com. It will be starting at 7 p.m. Set your calendar. We're going to have a ton of great guests, potentially a guy like maybe, say, Richard Sherman. Maybe we'll convince Al Michaels to show up. You never know who might drop by. Of course, Chris and the whole game will be there as well. So set your, um, your calendars. Make a point to stop by uh, and check out the PFF NFL Draft Show on April 29th. I will also mention if you are into gambling and hopefully you are because you're listening to this podcast, the elite subscription gives you access to the player props tool, all of the betting dashboards uh, and the DFS optimizer for next season. And if you use promo code action, when you get one of those right now, you will get action pro subscription for free for 365 days. That's usually $100 and you get it for free for an entire year. So go make that happen. Um, it's a great deal for anyone that loves to bet on sports. Okay, now we can get into it. I have to start just by calling out anyone listening. This is the one to go check out YouTube because my man, Eric, is rocking pink on pink today. Christ is risen, brother. Holy Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you, can you tell, can you tell us? I didn't know. I would have guessed now in honor of that, I am wearing the most pink shirt I have. I didn't know you owned a pink shirt. I don't. Well, I didn't until two days ago. I, we were taking a family vacation, not a vacation. My family, my family didn't have school. And so we decided I just, we, we spent a few days in Minnesota with my parents and then uh, my brother-in-law has a farm, uh, in the middle of Wisconsin, about three miles away from my in-laws and we've been staying here and I just packed, like, I honestly pack things like work from home clothes. So like, like sweat, like shorts, t-shirt. sweat shorts, <laughs> t-shirts. Uh, I don't even think, I think I was on air once and I wore like, uh, a, like a Henley thing, you know, like I, and my wife's like, Oh, we're going to church Sunday. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so, so, and, and not only that, like she just bought me an outfit, like straight up, just so went she somewhere. She, she was you. buying like groceries for her yeah. mom or something and bought me an outfit and I open it up and she goes, Oh, I thought it was like light red. I'm like, light red is pink, honey. Like this is, this is what <laughs> pink is. 
And the funniest thing about it, so I'm rolling in the, you know, the kids, I'm rolling into church. We're late, by the way, because we're late to everything in this family. We're like 10 minutes late to church. My, my in-laws are all, we're the only family the mask on. It, there's, there's like a row. We're the, the only row that's open is the one right next to my, my, my fam, my extended family. And it's second row. So not only are we late, not only are we, we're not members of this church, but we were, we're, we have to walk all the way up into the front, take that walk of shame. Mm. And I'm rocking a looking like pink the Easter shirt Bunny. over another pink shirt. Yeah. Over another pink shirt. And all this time, like Steph's dad is very much like a, like a not pink shirt guy, like dropping hints that he doesn't necessarily think it's the most <laughs> manly thing in the world to, to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I sort of like played it up a little bit just because like, when you, he, you know, I just says, cause I'm a troll kind of thing, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting uh, experience. Um, well, that, I, I got to say, uh, it, it doesn't look as comedic as I thought it would. It, it looks nice. You look good. Um, I, I am glad that you rocked it all day. I feel like you would have been the type of guy potentially to change very quickly, but no, you rolled with it. And I appreciate that. Well, we, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say I didn't take a nap in this today, okay, but, okay. but I, I, you know, I did, uh, speaking, I, I kept it on. Speaking of naps, I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine on Friday, uh, in my right arm. Um, cause I'm, I write with my left hand. I wasn't sure though. You are, you are a Ken Griffey like in that you are left-handed well, you're the opposite of Ken yeah, Griffey. Yeah. I, I, I write left-handed. I play sports right-handed. So I was very kind of, I was kind of confused actually, like which arm to get it in. Um, a little sore in the shoulder. I'll let you know. I did not miss a single workout, but on Saturday I woke up and was like remarkably tired <laughs> and being me, you know, like the sad, miserable soul that I am, my only goals were to not miss a workout and ironically to feel some of the like immuno response kick in because I would have felt really bad about my immune system if it hadn't kicked in. Yeah. So I, I forced myself to go work out. I'm halfway through this workout and I am dying. Like I am, I can barely walk. I finished this workout. I took like a six hour nap yesterday. I was down. I mean, those that. are the best though. Naps. It, it was naps good. without naps without like a timer are the best. And I'm, honestly, I'm imagining you didn't set your alarm for six hours, right? You were just no. like, I'm, I'm going to sleep to sleep to failure here. I, and, uh, I'm not a nap person though. I, I, you know, like in college, I feel like everyone becomes a nap person. Cause like, you're just on permanent vacation to some extent. Um, and then you like grow out of it. I was like, yeah. never a nap person. I don't take naps that often. So, um, I would say though, I, I'm just, the reason I'm calling that out is anyone listening. Um, I highly recommend that you go get the vaccine, get yourself vaccinated. Johnson Johnson's great. One shot. One opportunity. It I mean, uh, it really is. I was a little tired for one day. Uh, but, but now I have superpowers. Like everyone mm -hmm. thinks like maybe your right arm's going to fall off. Actually it's stronger now. So yeah, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it's important. And, um, especially, and if, you know, just are, to have make you signed up yet. I have, I'm nice. going to get one next week. Congratulations. I went, I mean, it was, packed. I mean, I, there was we so have, many we have, we have a possible, I mean, we, well, not, it's not even possible. It's, it's on. We're going, like, we got to be vaccinated by next month. So. Uh, um, let's talk Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase slash Kyle Pitts. So I want to set this up by saying there is a cartoon slash meme going around Twitter. If you haven't seen it, it yeah. shows two situations. One is Joe Burrow dropping back and Panay Sewell blocking right in front of him. These are stick figures. Panay Sewell holding up his block and Joe Burrow throwing a pass to a receiver named anybody. Okay. And the pass is complete. Below that is the same basic play, except that instead of Panay Sewell, it is anybody. That anybody is getting wrecked. And Jamar Chase is standing theoretically wide open, way downfield. But Joe Burrow can't throw the ball to him because he is getting assassinated by a defensive lineman. And this is meant to say, how dare you uh, think about drafting Jamar Chase when really what Joe Burrow needs is someone to hold the line so he can throw to anybody that is playing wide receiver and complete the pass. So I want to, I want to kick it to you. You saw that 
you see that you see people getting riled up about picking an offensive lineman over a wide receiver. What are your thoughts? I, I honestly think it's the, it's the, um, the current consensus about football. Um, let me ask you a question. I know you look at the markets. Mm-hmm. What, where would you put the, the over under a number of wide receivers taken in round one? would put it so you at, haven't seen it yet you, so you're I guessing because I haven't I've not seen that one yet yep um I would put it at five and a half I mean you're closer than I was so I bet myself and Ben Brown were doing a market implied mock the first time that I did it was before these markets came out and I had seven wide receivers in the first round Wow. You have Bateman, the three, the three top guys, Bateman, mm-hmm. and then I had Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, and uh, Terrace Marshall. Mm-hmm. The betting markets currently have the line at four and a half. Now it is a little bit to the over. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's like minus one seventy, actually, but that's gone down. It was minus two hundred earlier. But like, just say for there's five offensive linemen going around one according to the markets the offensive line number is six and a half minus 150 to the over. So there, wow. there are people that think that almost a fourth of the draft picks that are going to be taken in round one at the end of the month are going to be offensive linemen. Yeah. And I think like, so our friend Robert Mays was the one that talked about this and, you know, he is a very big offensive line fan of offensive line play. He thinks it's important. And it obviously is every part of football is important um, to a certain extent, but I think that that is the prevailing opinion around the league. And I think it, I think it lacks faith in the imagination of play callers. It lacks faith in the ability, like, I'm of the belief that you can make a lot of linemen average and you can get by with a lot of average linemen. And so I, I, I disagree with this idea that you can't, you can't solve wide receiver until you solve Panay Sewell, right. Or somebody like that. And Sewell's actually, there, there's rumors about him that are really, I think kind of along the same lines as Justin Fields. So we're not going to repeat them, but like, I, when it comes to the Bengals, like I can see why people want Sewell. They saw how Joe, Joe Burrow season ended, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like they, their offensive line was a disaster last year and Burrow actually played fairly well. Yeah. I, I so if I, I'm not surprised that the markets are the way they are, that's why I said five and a half, right? I'm, I'm hedging a little bit for the NFL's value of those positions. Um, I think that the uproar about Panay Sewell versus taking a Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, if I were to play the PTI, you know, what word describes this? I would say it's dated. It's old. It's tired. It's just, it's an easy argument to make, okay? In the same way that setting up play action is an easy argument to make. And I would challenge people to think just a little more deeply about it. And, and, and this is not, and, and you know, you mentioned Robert Mays, who is like, we love Robert and he is such a, he is number one offensive lineman guy. If you look at like football media, that is his, he loves offensive line play and it's incredibly important, but it's also, as you said, average gets it done. And if you look at Tom Brady, for example, last year, his average time to throw was like 2.3 seconds. And he still managed to have an average depth of target of just under 9.5 yards downfield. It's the second longest in the NFL. It had the most deep completions of any quarterback in the NFL. Those are throws 20 plus yards downfield. And he did so because his wide receivers were incredible. In fact, just the year before with another, you know, average offensive line, he looked not so great because his receivers sucked. And so, I just think that it's too easy for people to make the claim that, well, yeah, if you're getting knocked down, how can you throw a pass downfield? And it's like, actually, an average offensive lineman isn't getting torched and knocked down to the point where Joe Burrow can't get the ball five yards downfield. I just think here's one of the litmus tests I have for whether an argument is crazy or not. If like the average NFL fan happens to think it's totally correct, then you're probably not thinking it deeply, uh, thinking it through enough. Yeah. Um, and you know, 
we've seen we've seen the one side because it's extremely apparent to us. We've seen it's sort of like the pass rush versus coverage thing where we well hold on hold on so let me you said we've seen the one side don't you think this is literally like a reaction to the last game we saw oh i think so and and i and and i'm like obviously you know think about this though why would you pass up on an opportunity to draft the best wide receiver in college football for to keep your like to put yourself in a position so that you don't have like it doesn't even solve the problem the Chiefs had in the Super Bowl. The mm-hmm. problem the Chiefs had in the Super Bowl was that four out of their five starting linemen were injured. Yep. Like you're not acquiring Panay Sewell week 21 last year and and having him in there. They they drafted a guy in the third round, and he they they had two potential starters in that game opt out in July, right? Like Lucas Nyang, the third round pick from TCU, and Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who's a doctor. Like none of those things are solved, right? Like the, the Chiefs actually had the exact example of what we're talking about. And maybe one of the reasons why you might opt for a Sewell, because I'll I'll talk, I actually did tweet out that I don't hate the Bengals taking Sewell, this specific, this specific situation, mm-hmm. but the Chiefs drafted Eric Fisher with the first pick in the entire draft in 2013. And he has mostly relative to that draft position, not panned out. But he's been an average tackle the whole time. And that offense has been the league's best. He won, they made it to two Super Bowls with him at left tackle. In fact, they made it to a Super Bowl in 2019. Fisher missed eight of those games. Cameron Irving, another first-round draft pick, by the way, they don't always work, was one of the worst offensive linemen in football for eight games. And, yes, the Chiefs lost three of those games, I think. But their offense was still, like, functional even with him in there. So, yeah. whereas if you look at their – like. To me, and, and people are people will laugh at this, but to me, the biggest difference between the Chiefs offense in 2019 playoffs and 2020 playoffs is the third option for the Chiefs in 2019 played fantastic you know, football. And the third option for the Chiefs played okay in the AFC title game. He didn't fumble a punt, but he made two big plays on offense. And in the Super Bowl, the third receiving options for the Chiefs were nowhere to be found. And so the Buccaneers were in a really good spot where the Chiefs were weak up front. Mm -hmm. They could rush with four and play seven. And you could allocate four of those seven to Kelsey and to Hill. And those other three leave you in a three-on-three situation. And if those those secondary and tertiary guys don't work, then you get get what the Chiefs got, where guys aren't open right away. So – yeah. That to me, to me, when I, you know, to me, that's where people don't realize that people don't understand the pressure is oftentimes a product of guys not getting open early in the pattern. Yes. And that's a huge point. Right. And we've we've studied this, that quarterbacks, to a large extent, own their pressure rate by how long they hold on to the ball. And that's why I brought up the Tom Brady example. Tom Brady gets rid of the ball quickly, and it doesn't mean that he's dinking and dunking it like Alex Smith. I had a couple of a few things I want to say here. The first thing is I'll just reference PFF war Trent Williams, most valuable offensive lineman in football last year, about four tenths of a win above replacement. He was amazing. Devonte Adams. And there's a reason I want, I'm glad it's Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams was the most valuable wide receiver just under a full win above replacement at nine tenths of a win. So almost double what, the most valuable offensive tackle was. And over the course of the last three years on average, that has basically held up. Now, the reason I bring that up is because David Bakhtiari is right behind Trent Williams and basically one of the most valuable offensive linemen over the past three years. And he was injured. Devontae Adams was playing. Now you might say, okay, with David Bakhtiari, they have a better chance of winning that game. And now I would say there were a lot of other issues for why they lost that game to the Bucs, but there's no way that they are making it that far without Demonte Adams. And if you look at the other four teams in the final four, you have the, the bills who had a tremendous receiving core and Stefan Diggs, and you have average the, offensive line play, right? Yes, like average offensive line play. You have the bucks, their offensive line was good, but they were, they were not great. And Tom Brady made that offensive line look a lot better by how quickly he got rid of the ball. They had an elite, an elite wide receiving core and, and tight end core. And then you've got the Chiefs, of course, who, look, their offensive line became putrid by the time they got to the Super Bowl, but their wide receivers, by and large, were very, very good. And so uh, you look at, you know, these, you look at these teams and you go, what's the, the constant? It's an elite passing game formed by a really great quarterback 
and a great receiving core. And I just think that that is the way the, that the league is moving. And a lot of people are thinking about the league the way maybe it, it was a long time ago. And um, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I don't think I don't have a huge issue with them taking an offensive tackle. But for me, it would not be a question. I would take Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. And I'll say this as well. The fact that there isn't consensus on Sewell versus Slater is interesting to me. And I wonder if that leads the Bengals there, to There take. is, though. Is like the – sorry, I, sorry for interrupting. I, the, I think there is among the things that matter, like the markets, mm-hmm. the – I, do you think that the the non-consensus between Sewell and Slater is just making shit up right now in the... Maybe, maybe, but we've moved... At, what I was going to say is, like, Chase is definitively... Like, Chase and Pitts are in a league of their own, you know? Like, Jamar Chase dominated. He was the best receiver in football. He was... I think he was, wins above average, the most valuable wide receiver as a 19-year-old. Yeah. With Joe Burrow and a not good offensive line. If you go, if you get a PFF subscription, go look at those grades back for that offensive line. They were not very good. Joe Burrow and that wide receiving core made them yeah. great. Um, so, I, yeah. Can I, so, because I agree. Look, I think in the minds of, you know, if you're on, if you're, if you're watching NFL Network or you're on Twitter or um, whatever, like there, there was that report that came out from Albert Breer that said, you know, it, it, all this kind of stuff I think is just nonsense in the sense that like Chase was like about 150 minus 150 to be the first wide receiver taken. Now mm-hmm. he's minus 400. Devonte Smith is plus 500. So is Jalen Waddle. If you look at O-line, this actually has gone down with all this silliness. You know, the, the other mm-hmm. thing was that he was he had short arms and all that stuff, but like, Sewell was minus a thousand to be the first offensive lineman taken. He's now minus six twenty-five, which still are higher implied odds than mm-hmm. Chase. Slater is plus three fifty. I do think it's interesting in the sense that Slater is one rival there, and maybe that's maybe that's confusing people. Whereas at wide receiver, I think people are putting Waddle and Smith sort of in the same category, and that's what the betting markets are doing. Whereas Chase, Chase is clearly above both of them, but I. Look, look, I'll say this, and, and this this might sound dumb. I mean, if this thing gets to, like, minus 400, let's say Sewell's number, I'm, I'm betting it. I, and I know you're laying a huge price, but, like, I, I, I have a hard time seeing Sewell not be the first lineman taken. But to your point about the Bengals, and I didn't even think, like, the Bengals signed Riley Reef to be a right tackle. Very good deal, by the way. And, honestly, a team like the Niners – would you have rather the Niners sign Trent Williams for what he signed for or Riley Reef for what he signed for? Trent Williams. Okay. So you think Trent's that much better. So it's okay. I think um, well, here's the thing. I think Trent is better. And remember when they traded for Trent Williams, I said, well, they're going to go get a rookie quarterback. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like and that, 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 those pairs, it's a three-year deal. Right. So yeah, I have no problem. Well, with and those pairs is what um, our friend Jason Fitzgerald uh, and over the cap has talked about a lot where, you know, it was first, it was Bosa rookie deal guy along with Jimmy G veteran quarterback in, in Cleveland, it was miles Garrett, big deal with rookie quarterback Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So now you go get Trent Williams is a big deal. You're going to get a rookie quarterback for this one year. They're going to be paying up if they still have Jimmy G. Um, okay. Here's one. I'll, I'll ask, would you rather have Trent? Or sorry. Would you rather have Orlando Brown? Cause this is the other name that's coming mm-hmm. up. Would you rather have Orlando Brown and what it's probably going to cost for him in a trade plus the salary, or would you rather have Riley Reef? And probably Riley Reef. I just want off average offensive lineman. I don't want to over, I don't want to, you know, go crazy, you know. And Riley Reef had a really good year last year. Like he yeah. he he gave up like one sack, uh, relatively few pressures. Like he actually had a good year. But like that's the thing. And and people have been and, and this kind of makes the Orlando Brown thing interesting, too, not to bring this up out of the blue, but, like, he's going to want at least Garrett Bowles money. So that's $17 million a year. He wants mm-hmm. that to play left mm-hmm. tackle for a team. You're also probably going to have to trade the equivalent of a second or first-round pick for him. Like, to me, the team that the Ravens get to do that is really dumb <laughs> because 
<laughs> like, would, wouldn't you rather? Because Orlando Brown has like 10 games of left tackle experience. Yeah. And, and you're paying up all of that for like fake certainty. At, whereas you have like, you can pick up one of what the market says, seven offensive linemen in the first, in the first round. Do a quick check-in on the number three overall pick at DraftKings Sportsbook. Justin Fields plus 125, Mac Jones plus 150, Trey Lance plus 200. So Mm -hmm. very close, very, very, very close. Um, I am a little surprised that Mac Jones is still ahead of Trey Lance, to be perfectly honest with you. That changed, by the way. Um, When I, because I bet bet Fields at plus 150 early last week, and at the time he was he was plus one fifty with Lance, mm-hmm. and then Mac Jones was plus two hundred. This was right after I believe either the press conference or the pro day where everybody kind of faded uh, Jones for a little bit. Um, so that's changed a little bit. In the market implied mock, I I do have Jones going after Lance. I I still believe that that is the case. Um, I think Jones is specific to San Francisco. Yep. The 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 hype around Jones is specific to San Francisco. I think if you if you just said random team, like I think like Carolina would probably prefer Lance to Jones. I think yep. Denver would probably prefer Lance to Jones. I could be it, wrong. It's why um, the Jones, it's why the Jones San Francisco thing is just so freaking yeah. stupid. It's, the it's idea like, that Shanahan would be that off market and wrong um, is, is really silly to me. I think he'll fit that offense. Why? Cause yeah. the offense is so good. Even Mac Jones would look great. Congrats. Right. Why um, would you, that's like saying that's like, a Porsche and like your like Toyota Camry sitting Uh-oh, next to careful. each other. And you, and you pick the Toyota Camry because the seat, the seat feels nice, but they're both the same don't, price. Don't try and step in my lane. Okay. I'm the one that disparages department stores and cars, uh, beloved brands. And, and do, the Toyota Camry is a beloved car. Okay. So yeah. don't you dare. Don't you? I think I mean, the tweet, my tweet that I've gotten a decent number of likes on was the one that talked about we we're going to lose another sponsor because of your. What was yeah. the other one you? So you I said, said I said that drafting trading three first round picks to draft Mac Jones would be like spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars to buy a Honda Accord. And and people yeah. were mad at me. They thought I was disparaging the Honda Accord. In fairness, I love the Honda Accord. The Honda Accord is the last car that I drove. I leased one for two years. Fantastic car, but I'm not playing, paying 150 grand for it. That's the point. Yeah, Mac yeah. Jones I mean, is a that's... fine quarterback if you get him for 30 Gs at pick 15. But if you're picking at number three, you have to take a guy who could potentially be a top five quarterback. That is Justin Fields. Um, we belabored that point. Are you ready for win totals? I'm 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 ready right now. I got my I got my simulation in front of me. I'm good. We're about to talk about win totals, and if you're looking for a place where you can bet on said win totals, you'll want to go to DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and it is so for a reason. You will get a ton of awesome opportunities to bet, including this week where the Masters is beginning. So use promo code PFF when you sign up, and here's what they will do for you. All you have to do is bet on any golfer to finish in the top 10 and you will get 100 to 1 odds on that player. Any of them, any of them. You can pick the favorite, okay? And you'll get 100 to 1 odds. I have some some Masters picks. I'm saving them for Wednesday for that show. I will talk to you about them. I think Brooks Kepka is like 12 to 1. I always oh, bet a couple of long shots. I'm generally too. pretty, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to tout myself. I don't like to do this. I'm going to tout myself a little bit. I the masters is a place where i generally do well from betting perspective so now that i've said that you can fade everything i say on wednesday uh and then go to DraftKings sportsbook app use promo code pff and get those 100 to 1 odds on any golfer to finish in the top 10. um you can look at their historical stats that might give you some insight uh remember you must be 21 or older new jersey indiana pennsylvania only new customers are the only ones eligible restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you have a gambling problem go 100 gambler or in indiana 1-800 nine with it also if you're looking to invest in sports a cool place to do that is symbol s-i-m-b-u-l-l you can go to it at symbol.app slash pff use promo code pff when you deposit ten dollars you get a free a free year of pff edge subscription so that's a fantastic value and here's the cool thing at symbol you can buy stock in teams just like you would stock in 
companies in the stock market. And then if that team wins, you get paid a dividend. And if those shares go up because other people want to buy into them, you can sell your shares for more money. It's a lot of fun uh, with free agency in the draft. There'll be some movement here. We've talked about a bunch. Um, you know, we just talked about uh, some win totals. I'll bet you can use those to go buy some stock in some teams that are undervalued at the moment. Eric, any anything that you've purchased recently on Symbol? Uh, two shares of the Falcons. Man after my own heart. What an Easter <laughs> miracle. So go to symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app slash PFF. Use promo code PFF. Get a free PFF Edge annual subscription for a whole year. Go do it. And now, win totals. Let's. We're going to go AFC. We're going to start AFC East. So the buff, these are all via DraftKings Sportsbook. The Buffalo Bills are 10.5, minus 110 both sides. The Miami Dolphins are 9, minus 121 to the over, plus 100 to the under the new england patriots also at nine minus 143 to the over and 118 plus 118 to the under and the new york jets are at seven 123 plus 123 to the over minus 150 to the under where would you like to start well first off i think the bills number is dead on and it, i honestly mm-hmm. they we did the simulation ten thousand times it's about 50 50 right around 10 and a half so that one seems fair to me um Let's let's start with the Jets then to actually look at trying to handicap this. Um, what do you think of the Jets total? So I went back to what we had um, we, we thought originally, and I said I thought five and a half. Add another half for the six uh, for the, the extra game, and you get six. Um, so I agree with the juice here. Um, I, I think it's a little rich. Um, yeah. I, I would like to bet the under. I, I honestly would. Okay. If I if I had to go, one I side actually, I actually like over here at plus one twenty three, and I'll, okay. I'll give you a few. I'll give you a few reasons why. Um, the first reason this is going to get roundabout way to New England and Miami anyway. Um, in Miami, you're still like in all these situations, you're making essentially a bet on a quarterback that maybe doesn't deserve it. So for Miami, nine over being 121, you're making a bet on, you're basically making a bet on Tua, right? Mm. Would you Would you say, and, and I, you know, we said the Dolphins might be nine, so this is less than what we thought, right? Um, when we talked about these earlier this offseason. But like, if Tua doesn't work out, this is more like an eight, Right. And the yes. same thing's true about New England, right? New England, when you look at that, like over nine for New England is more expensive than over nine is for the Miami Dolphins. And I, I just like when I look at the Patriots, like, yeah, they got better. But did they get I mean, did they get better enough for this to make for nine to be their win total? No. Uh, so in fairness, I would not bet the Jets either side. And the reason I would not bet the Jets either side is because I'm not paying minus 150 to take the under on Zach Wilson. And seven is a lot of games for the New York Jets to win. The one that I think is most exciting to me is the Patriots at nine and betting the under plus 118. Because this this to me is an overreaction to the fact that they signed two tight ends couple of shitty wide receivers overpaid for an edge rusher and brought cam back for $5 million. Like I, I do think there are, you know, obviously you can see the path to them be getting over nine wins. And I get that there's now 17 games. I understand that, but um, that that's my favorite of all of these is, is the Patriots under nine at plus plus one eighteen. Yeah. The, the other thing to, to think about for the jets, um, they, their 17th game, um, is home against the Eagles, which I think are a bottom three team in the NFL. Um, so they also get the Bengals. Um, they also get the NFC South, which is weaker than it will be, you know, has been in a while. Um, our Falcons notwithstanding. Um, so, you know, that's okay. So you like under there. I think we both agree that under nine plus 118 is a good bet. Uh, that, that one will go with our Falcons bet. I think that's the one we can agree upon. We are different on the Jets. I think under. I think sorry. I think over at plus. Yeah, I mean you'd actually good... bet that though. I just wouldn't. Bet I would. The Jets. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying I wouldn't bet the Jets. Yeah, I. Yeah, so I like. I. I. I don't like Miami 
Um, but I, but I think that I'm, I don't want to bet against Flores. Our number for them is 8.3. So, you know, it's our number for new England's 8.5. You're getting a better price to bet under on new England. So I would still go ahead and go with that even. And then our, our number for the jets is 7.3, um, which is quite a bit higher than 6.5. Um, and I think a lot of that is just schedule related, uh, you know, over a bunch of simulations, Miami and new England aren't going to be all that good. And you could also look to the Buffalo bill, the Buffalo bills, who I think are going to be a great team, but if they only win their implied total, one of those extra losses, since they were a 13 win team last year could be to the jets. Yeah, I think it's a good call. Uh, I also meant to mention this at the top uh, when we did this, but I thought this was interesting and I wanted your take on it. So last year, the 2020 win totals, added up to 262 and a half wins, which was six and a half more than the possible number of wins. Now with the 17th game, there's obviously more wins available. Um, but the sum of the win totals adds to 273, just yeah. one more than the total number of possible wins. So it's interesting um, because there isn't as much of a bias, at least at the start to the overs um, in the market. And, um, I, I, I'm not totally surprised. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And was this, was this before or after you did the, we did the, the adjustment? No, this is just the raw numbers. Okay. Okay. Cause I think that's a, that's a good point. If you adjust them, let me look here. It's 272.9. So you're, you're absolutely. Yeah. So, so like most people will say there's an equal, there's more juice to the over, but actually in this case, the answer that it's not actually true. Um, in fact, there's more, there's a small amount more juice to the under, at least when they open. Yeah. And, and I thought that was interesting because it, it was getting back to, you know, normally people see the numbers and they're like, well, you know, my team is obviously going to win more games than that. And I think they've had to bump the numbers up a little bit, but people are so used to the numbers that they see that it might not be, you know, there it's hard for them to compartmentalize the fact that there is a whole nother game and what that means to the schedule. So, yeah. you know, it would normally, I think we'd be more on unders, you know, in just in general, because there's more value there based on where the market lies. And here that might not be the case. Yep. Um, let's move to the AFC North. The, um, the favorites in this division that I think is, uh, maybe should not be the case. The Baltimore Ravens win total is 11 over is minus 125 under is plus 103 Cincinnati Bengals, six and a half minus 110 to both sides. The Cleveland Browns nine and a half over minus 150 under plus 123 and the Pittsburgh Steelers eight and a half over is minus 125 and under is plus 103. Where would you like to start? Uh, let's, Let's start with Pittsburgh because I know okay. both of us, we like, I, I hung Pittsburgh's number when we guessed seven and a half at seven and a half adjusted to eight. And I, I said eight and I just, you, so you adjust that to like eight and a half. So both of us would have been on the under here. Yeah. But you look at, um, so one of the things here, so we actually numerically at Pittsburgh at 8.8 in the simulation. So my intuition at least is a li little bit different than the numbers, I, I can't see myself betting over on Pittsburgh, though. I think there's too many things that can go wrong with that team. Yeah, if I had to bet one side, I'd, I'd bet the under, and I'd bet, you know, like things kind of just falling out of the bottom there um, in Pittsburgh. I, I don't – eight and a half, though, you know, uh, with the extra game. Um, I know they're going to – here's the interesting thing. Playing a first-place schedule um, and not being – you know, not being the best team in that division, not even the, the second best team in that division. You know, if I had to choose one side, I would take the under at plus 103, but I don't think that, that this is a bet I exactly want to yeah. make. Um, the, by the way, the schedule thing is interesting, right? Because every single AFC team's extra game is a home game, as we talked about mm -hmm. before. So mm -hmm. that might mean a little bit more than we thought. The other thing that's interesting Tennessee is a first place team and Pittsburgh is a first place team. I can't, I, neither one of those teams is lined to be the favorite in their division mm -hmm. next year. That just makes Kansas city richer, doesn't it? Because that those are their off, you know, their, 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 uh, their finished games. Right. And like, mm -hmm. it, it's just kind of like a crazy thing. I, I feel like. 
All right, there are two that I like here. Um, let me start with the team that we've already talked about, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I want your I want your take here because I think you might you might help me decide which side where to put my brain because I'm I'm split. Six and a half is too low for how good Joe Burrow played in a limited amount of time, how good that receiving core could be with the right added options, how much that offensive line can improve with some average play. Um, it's, it's just, it's just too low. And the other side of me goes, yeah, but do we know that this coaching staff can actually get it together? That is my hesitation. And that was, that was the real big thing. I mean, we had one, one pretty big swing and a miss last year in the preseason markets. And that was Detroit. Mm -hmm. And the bigger thing with Detroit was we had two years of seeing Matt Patricia not be able to coach his way out of a paper bag. Don't compare Zach Taylor to Matt Patricia. And I'm not trying to, but like, do we have evidence that Zach Taylor is, do we have evidence that Zach Taylor is a bet on coach? No. And that's exactly like like I'm talking about. And and I, I suspended disbelief on, on Patricia like, I just don't know if I can. Now, there's a lot of good there. And I do like, for example, like William Jackson, they let him go and replaced him with two other corners that I thought that that was a better move, right? Like Shinobi mm-hmm. Awuzier and Mike Hilton yep. together made about as much as uh, William Jackson did in Washington. I thought that was a decent move for them. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bates is a terrific football player. I don't like them losing Carl Lawson and replacing him with Trey Hendrickson. Um, but right. you look at the off- <laughs> offensive side of the ball, think about this, like, what has really Cincinnati has looked outclassed every time they've played Pittsburgh and Baltimore, with the exception of that, that Monday night game for the better part of the last five years, right? Mm-hmm. Baltimore has spent 70% of their cap dollars on defense. That is no longer going to be the case eventually because they have to pay Lamar. They might have to pay Orlando Brown. Uh, we just talked about so on. So they got to find a wide receiver, et cetera. Pittsburgh, as we talked about the bottom might fall out of that team. If the Bengals can get can split those games or win one of four and Cleveland doesn't do what we think they'll do, and I think Cleveland's gonna be great this year, but the then I think it's a different calculus. But I, I have to bag off. I can't do it. I you're gonna bag I, off. I think that's a lesson I learned from last year. Okay. Um I still don't want I still like Joe Burrow a little bit. I here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wait to see who they draft. I believe <laughs> that Jamar Chase and or Kyle Pitts are good enough to immediately make an impact on that team. I don't think there are a whole lot of players in this draft that are good enough to actually do that. And I traded, if they traded down and got Jalen Waddle, I would have the same response and picked up another, another. Yeah, I agree. Okay. The Baltimore Ravens at 11. So when we guessed the win totals on the Ravens, I believe I said 10, you said 10 and a half. It is 11. Um, it was 11 and a half in 2020. We I were love, both on under, even though we like them. Yes. I am still on the under and I still like them. I do. But mm. I, I, I just think there are, are some major questions for this team. Um, and I don't know that I, I don't have faith that their offense is just, they had an off year last year. Okay. They, they got it together at the second, in the second half of the season, they didn't play a ton of great teams, but I don't know if their offense takes another step forward this year because we've, we've seen teams adjust and I don't know that they've put together the pieces unless Lamar Jackson just goes like banana land on improvement over the off season to to take the next step where are you at with them ravens extra game is a home game against the rams which might end up being tough right like that's Mm -hmm. a that's a bad draw 11 is a is a is a a large win total i think reserved i I, look let's go through like their schedule like let's let's if you look at their schedule there's a lot of games where the quarterback they face is in the same cluster or better than Lamar is. So they face the Bengals. Burrow's not better than Lamar, but I, I'm ready to sort of put them in a similar conversation. Cleveland, right, twice. Baker Mayfield is in the same conversation as Lamar. 
that's not true about the Steelers. I think the Steelers are the weakest quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. They play Kansas City. I like I like Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they face the Chargers again. Herbert could go either way, but it, it's looking good right now. Packers, Vikings, both good quarterbacks. Um, Indianapolis. That's a that's a team that's similarly sharp as as the Ravens. Yes, I'll never. But don't you dare put Carson. Yeah, I'm not doing in the that. same fucking sure, universe sure. as Lamar Jackson. Um, Raiders have Derek Carr. Rams have Stafford like they don't have an easy schedule and so for me and they I, had an incredibly easy schedule down the stretch year. last year right that was what the what Kornacki was saying like look like the Ravens look like look awful but like you look at their next five games like down the stretch like yeah. they just have a bunch of gimmies like this isn't going to be a bunch of gimmies they also go to Miami um as well so so I, I I'm with you. I, especially if I can get plus one Oh three, like I I'm going to do it. I, yeah. So that's one that I agree with you with a hundred percent. And this is not 11 is a big number. You can, you can bet the under and still like the team. This is not like hating, you know, the Ravens fans are very passionate. I appreciate the Ravens fans so, and, and we'd like a lot of the people at the Ravens. So I want to make that super clear. Um, but I, but there are question marks there. There simply are. And a lot of teams have question marks, including a lot of the teams in the next division we're going to talk about, the AFC So do we, do we want to talk about Cleveland at all? I think the number for oh. Cleveland, I think, is kind of dead ass on, right? Uh, yeah, I completely forgot in large part because I'm not betting over nine and a half at minus 150, and I'm not betting under, under on Kevin yeah. Stefanski. Yeah, that, yeah, the nine and a half does appear to be the right. I mean, think about how absurd this was. Here, I believe... Here. Their number was nine and a half going into 2018 right. with Freddie Kitchens. That's what I was going to say. I was like, this this is like 2018, except everything has changed. <laughs> Everything's real, right? It's like, uh, yeah, it's. I, uh, I will say this. The way I'm betting Cleveland is the same way I bet them a couple of times so far this offseason, which is to bet them to win the division. So I would bet the, the, the Ravens under or you could, you know, if you don't want to bet the Ravens under, you feel like both these teams are going to be dynamite. Then you know, bet the bet the Browns to win the division. I think Cleveland still- plus one seventy five, I believe, yep. which is a, in my opinion, a pretty good bet. Okay, AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts are ten plus one ten to the over, minus one thirty four to the under. The Jacksonville Jaguars six and a half, minus one ten both sides. The Tennessee Titans nine and a half, plus one twenty three over, minus one fifty under. Denver, uh, and that's it. I, I wanted to give them an extra team. Um, Let's start. Let's hey, start. Denver has played like an AFC South yeah, team for say. the better for the better part of five years. So let's start with the with the Titans because nine and a half. Uh, that's what they were. They were eight and a half last year. Okay, they were eight and a half last year. You get an extra game. You know, let's say they were the same team. You add a half, you get to nine. Now it's nine and a half. Um, and in fairness, this was a right around where we had them uh, when we guessed. But man, I, I am I am feeling regression coming for the Titans. What is your thought? Yeah, the AFC South plays the NFC West, um, which is the travel, obviously. Now, when they play the AFC West at home, it'll be a two-hour difference there in the central time zone. So it'll it'll if those games are at one noon central, it'll be bad for the NFC NFC West, but those are a bunch of good teams, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to face the Rams in Los Angeles. You have to face the 49ers um, at home. You also get the chiefs at home. um, And, you know, by virtue of being a first place team, you also get Pittsburgh, which again, like I don't like Pittsburgh, but I do think Pittsburgh could like have a game where they sack Tannehill like 10 times, right? You, you lose Arthur Smith, you lose Corey Davis, you lose uh, the starting right tackle, Kelly, Dennis Kelly, and then you on defense cut your best. You're starting three corners are not going to return uh, next year. Uh, in addition to acquiring what I would consider to be the most overvalued pass rusher in the entire free agent pool in Bud Dupree. I, I'm a complete sell on. <laughs> I, I and and are you? Would you sell it? Uh, here's the here's where I'm struggling because I want to sell, but minus one fifty is a very steep price. Yeah. So like. For me, it's more of like the no on the playoff market okay. than it is a win total thing. Um, you get plus price on the no on the playoff market. Um, I'm not by betting them to win the division. I would actually, I, like, I put some shekels on Jacksonville to win the division because it's like, and Let, it's gone let's down. Talk, it, let's it was, talk about Jacksonville. It was twelve to one. Now it's eight to one. I think Jacksonville has a chance to be decent, man. Like I, six and a half. 
and, and, and our number for them is seven. So that's one where. Um, so th- this is interesting. I was talking to um, to Mike uh, Renner about Urban Meyer. And I was like, you really think Urban Meyer is going to work? Like, you know, he's going to come in there. He's been he's been sitting in a booth for, you know, the past three years. Like he can't know what's going on. And he made a good point, which is that Urban Meyer's strength is that he doesn't have like some archaic offensive system that he's tied to. He's like very much about like running whatever works. So I don't think we'll see those kind of issues. And if that's the case, then six and a half wins is not a, a tall, you know, hurdle. And I don't think that we have to worry too much. Like for Lawrence, I don't know that he'll be great right away, but I'm not worried about him being terrible, you know? Yeah. And they, well, so here's another thing. Does Urban Meyer matter that much? Because when I look at this team, Charlie Strong, assistant head coach inside linebacker, like has a lot of experience in the NFL, probably will do a decent amount of heavy lifting. Do you know who Russell Wilson's offensive coordinator was during his time in Seattle early on? Daryl Bevel and Daryl Bevel is oh, the offensive yeah. coordinator for the Jaguars. Um, you know, Brian Schottenheimer is the, is the passing game coordinator. Like shoddy got a lot of crap, but it's starting to come out that it might be one of those situations. It might be like a Stefanski versus Zimmer thing where the offensive coordinator wants to do certain things, but the head coach is setting a tenor that isn't going to allow him to. Yeah. I don't have a problem there, but for some reason I was thinking there was a guy before Daryl Bevel. And I was like trying to to harken yeah. back to pre-Bevel years, but I don't. Bevel's Bevel's ar- architected decent offenses before Minnesota and then Seattle, like, and then Detroit was having a decent time. Like, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not a huge fan. But the other thing is, college coaches have not done that badly. Like, in in Pete Carroll's first year with Seattle, he took them to the playoffs. And they won a playoff game. Um, Nick Saban's first year in, in Miami, they won nine games with Gus Farratt and our guy Sage Rosenfels mm-hmm. at quarterback. Like the, the, we hear about like the Dennis Erickson thing and that didn't work, but Jimmy Johnson went straight from the university of Miami, took the Cowboys to the super bowl in four years. Like there, there are examples of college coaches coming to the That's NFL and doing a good job. And to your point and to Mike's point, if he lets his coaches coach and he just is a CEO guy, like. I'm like, I think they'll be okay. You look at the draft they had last year where they went, like uh, they went with uh, LaVisca Chenault. They went with CJ Henderson Henderson and uh, yeah, a lot of high upside guys at valuable positions. And then you, you look back and and see like their offensive line has gotten a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, their, their receivers are still strong with Chark. Uh, You know, they're on defense. Like they're getting, they're going to get Josh Allen back. Who's hurt. I think a little bit last year. I and this division stinks, man. Like this is, this is terrible. Is a, this is a this is a. I'm betting. A I'm betting Jacksonville buy. over. Jacksonville yeah. over. I thought Indy under was going to be my favorite um, bet. I'm not touching Houston with a 29 and a half foot pole. To quote, we actually had to make a new thing in the PFF Elo rating system to account for tanking teams, and. I do think that's one thing that we, and I, I'm not saying that Houston is tanking on purpose, by the way, I'm using tank as sort of a more all really, really term. bad, but I'm saying like a team. Cause right now, like all these simulations are going to have all the bad teams, six wins or better. And all the good teams at 11 and a half wins or less. Like that's just how these things work. But I think that there is a, there are there and i put like i put place this tag on like six or seven teams in the in the pff era and it's made the predictions better like i went back test and like it makes the predictions better to like say look 2017 cleveland's not trying to win folks yep. like you know 2020 2016 cleveland's not trying to win and um you know i put the tag on the jets last year and not because i thought that they were actually tanking but because they were just so incapable of winning games that it was just you know, so if you place that on Houston, then our implied win total for them is 5.3. And that makes the over for them a non-bet for me. Yeah, I'm not I'm not betting the over. Now, t- so what would you do with Indy? 10, 10 is the win total, but it's minus 134 to the under. Uh, so you said 10? 
Yeah, it's, it's 10 is the, the number, and it's minus 134 to bet the under, plus 110 to bet the over. Yeah, I mean, our number for them is 9.4, so we have it going under 51% of the time, um, push 19% of the time, and then over 30% of the time. So it would probably be playable at that. I'd have to do the, the math in my head, but I the problem is it's really hard to bet against Frank Reich, and – and this is not an 11 like the Ravens. That's mm-hmm. like, I think, one of the issues as well. The, the, I think that the, I think I, I kind of put the Colts and the Ravens in sort of similar ilk yeah. um, in that, like, if you gave me an over, if you gave me 10 for Baltimore, I wouldn't bat an eyelash at all. It's the 11 that I think is just a little bit too much for me. Um, with, if you gave me a 10 and a half, I'd probably bet under on Indy at 10. I'm, I'm just going to, move you know a little bit and the 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 sort of rule of thumb is about 50 cents per i believe 50 cents per win so like if it does get i mean minus 134 um you know that that you know to me that's just a little bit too expensive but um if you gave me 11 for them i'd absolutely bet under if you gave me nine for them i'd absolutely bet over like that's it's just kind of the way it is yeah and i i um I just think that this division is bad. <laughs> so I, I think Frank Wright can do a lot of things that will really help um, his team win some games that maybe this composition of players actually shouldn't win. Um, and that's why I'm not betting under at minus 134. Okay, let's finish it out with the AFC West. Your Kansas City Chiefs, highest win total in the NFL, 12, minus 110 to both sides. The Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim, 9, over is plus 103, under minus 125. The Las Vegas Raiders, are um, seven and a half minus one ten to both sides, and the Denver Broncos are also seven and a half minus one ten to both sides. Um, let's just start with your Chiefs really quickly. Twelve is a high number. Um, are you? Um, do you do you have a take on twelve at minus one ten both sides? No, our number is twelve point two. Um, I've I don't think I've ever bet a Chiefs over win total. Um, maybe, maybe it would. Maybe I did a little at ten and a half in twenty nineteen. Maybe, um, but Andy Reid is has been the Chiefs coach, I believe, now for seven years, eight years, and he's eight no to the over. So, like, I'm not betting the under there, um, but also just our numbers, you know, dead on there. I, I they're they're a very good team and to to the point I, I talked about they're playing a first place schedule but tennessee and pittsburgh are not first place teams in the eyes of the market so they even get lucky there yeah um okay so there are two that i like uh and i'll let you choose which one we discuss i like the denver broncos over seven and a half minus 110 and i like the los angeles chargers under nine minus 125 yeah, I think the Chargers one is the better one, but I think they're both plus EV for sure. I'm struggling. The Chargers one is tough for me. I love Brandon Staley. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I guess the tough part for me is expecting Herbert to be that good on these unstable situations. And, you know, like he was just so good under pressure. Remember his pass rating under pressure better than his pass rating from a clean pocket. Um, absolutely insane. Uh, yards per attempt likewise and you just don't expect that to be the case you know even if he continues to play well like I legitimately think he could play better from a clean pocket and overall people think he has a worse year um nine is a is a big number um even at minus 125 I mean you need them to go to 10 and 7 or better and the Chargers simply have not won at that clip other than 2018 forever I mean my yeah, but do you like, think don't you think like the brand, the difference between Brandon Staley and Anthony Lynn is massive. I mean, do we really know this? Brandon Staley has been a coach in the. Brandon Staley was a coordinator for one year. Yeah, but Brandon, all you have to do is spend five minutes listening to Brandon Staley and go, "Oh, this guy gets it." Like you listen okay, to coaches I mean, talk, you listen to coaches talk, and you go, uh, "Can I bet against this guy?" Like, yeah, how yeah. many coaches do you listen to where you go, "This guy actually knows what like knows anything." And Brandon Staley, like, he gets it, man. I, I, the only reason that I struggle to immediately buy in to how much he can change right off the bat is that he is a defensive guy. So 
I think their defense, you know, the defense is just so fragile that even if he comes in and brings the defensive guru-ness, you know, there are perturbations that can occur. Whereas if you were an offensive guy, I'd feel really good about what he could do for the offense. Yeah, they get there when James back, which is really helpful. They lose uh, Casey Hayward, which is not. Um, Nick uh, Joey Bosasari is, you know, perpetually injured, as is Derwin James. So that defense... Like, I just don't know if I can buy into that. And then offensively, like, Herbert's going to be on his second coordinator in, in two years already. And, you know, they lost Hunter Henry. I know they got Jared Cook, but we always goof around about Jared Cook. This is finally going to be the year he's good. And, or, you know, elite, I guess. Um, you know, they bought into a running back in Eckler, who I think is a good football player. But, like, they, they I, like... I, I'm I'm skeptical. Like I thought Shane Steichen actually did a really good job last year. And and they did patch up the offensive line a little bit. They probably, you know, they're in the market implied mock. I have them getting Jalen Waddle at 13. Um, so if they could get that or Derrishaw or even Slater, if he falls that far, like they, they could significantly improve this thing. But nine's a lot for a team that has not shown uh, uh you know much in the way. Uh, of being able to go, you know, be a 500 or better team. So I, I like that one. I do like the Denver over. I think we've, I think Vic Fangio is a better coach than people give him credit for. I think Pat mm-hmm. Shermer is a better coach than people give him credit for. Um, the Raiders in the eyes of the marketplace are going down. Um, their win total is about this, the, is the exact same as last year, despite the extra game, despite the extra game being a home game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, which I don't necessarily get, I kind of would like Vegas two um but if i had to pick i think denver over is the one that i want to buy into a little bit more just because they might get improvement from drew lock and if they don't like they're gonna have a different they're gonna have a different quarterback at the end of april anyway um whether that be like sam darnold or jimmy g or somebody yeah. who they draft like like trey lance or uh, mac jones i don't i don't mind the, the raiders either my my issue with the raiders is that i just don't think they have a ton of talent on that team like i I look at that team and I'm legitimately like concerned. Whereas the Denver Broncos have talent everywhere. I mean, there's yeah. one of the most talented rosters in the in the NFL, and their issue is quarterback. So if you if you put Gardner Minshew on the Broncos, I'm buying this win total all day long. You put Sam Donald on the Broncos, I'm buying this win total all day long. You put Jimmy G on the Broncos, I'm buying it all day long. You put anyone other than like the 33rd best quarterback in the NFL, yeah. and I'm buying it all day long. The- I believe that's what his PFF grade was last year, Drew Locke. Whereas with the Raiders, like you feel good about Derek Carr. You know, he's not a guy that's going to lift everyone up. And I just worry so many of the shots they've taken have missed. I don't know where, you know, you're hoping for a lot of improvement from, from Henry Ruggs after year one. Well, yeah. And I, I sort of, so I've been watching some football in the background here um, all week as usual. And I got, I got the, the, the algorithm took me to the 2011 Niners actually. And I was looking at that team and I was thinking to myself, this team got good really freaking fast, right? And you look at their defenses like, you know, Justin Smith, Ray McDonald, uh, you know, Patrick Willis, um, uh, Navarro Bowman, and they get Carlos Rogers from the Washington football team and they get Deshaun Golston and like, and then they literally went from the worst coach in football, right? To the, to one of the best and Jim Harbaugh at the time. And I, that to me is like the ideal thing for, for the Vegas Raiders is like they've drafted a ton of young players over the past like four years. Right. And none of them have played well. None of like literally nothing has worked out for that. I mean, Josh Jacobs has been fine, but that doesn't really matter. Right. And I just think that Gruden is like just stepping on his, his dick the whole time. Like if they, if they went in there and got a, if they went in there and got a coach that like, I think, sort of you could see a 49ers thing right that's exactly what happened to the Niners in that in the 2011 it's like they've been their offense isn't bad but the no but the Raiders yeah but like imagine how good that team would be offensively if they you know like if rugs emerge right if Brian Edwards emerge and like Darren Waller's already a great player and you know Derek Carr's a fine quarterback I mean I think I think it was Gruden's fault to have the Gunther is a defensive coordinator last year. Like just the same way that I think it's Mike McCarthy's fault to have, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Nolan, a guy who drafted a lot of those Niners. Yeah, but isn't, as the biggest, coordinator. isn't the bigger issue that they have just failed to accumulate talent. But they, now, I guess you could say that is kind of Gruden's fault. Cause he's theoretically the all powerful being there in the building. 
but I mean, yeah, I, they are somewhat picking the wrong players, but they have in theory, like the draft capital they have accumulated and then applied over the past three, four years, like should result in something. It would, to me, I, I find it very hard that they could flip that many coins and for them all the land tails. Um, if not for a little bit of a nudge from a coaching staff that I don't necessarily know if they have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but so here's one of the interesting things you mentioned flipping coins in the draft, flipping coins in the draft still assumes that you have knowledge of the market. Yeah. So well, the Cleveland Farrell thing was right. So if I'm yeah. flipping a coin between, <laughs> you know, if it's like, Hey, pick between these five options and all five of them, you know, have the same you know, potential to be good or bad as, as determined by the, you know, 500 people that have looked at them. But instead I flip a coin between two random things that I don't know anything about. Like the, it's not a coin flip. I'm yeah, being yeah. an idiot. So, yeah. you know, like I, I do think there's a little bit of that. Um, it's tough. Cause I actually, their offense has been, has been good, you know, and efficient and, and maybe more so than it should be given, you know, they don't have a ton of talent there. Um, but seven, Seven and a half, if I had to bet one side, I, I would actually go over um, no. seven and a half. It's just not one where I'm as excited. I think Denver, look, if Denver gets Mac Jones, I, I'm excited about the over. If they well, get Trey Lance, I'm excited about the over. They get, as I said, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and I think that the thing for me was when I was trying to reason this out with respect to the Raiders, I actually came to Denver because the thing that really turned the Niners over back then was Alex Smith becoming a competent quarterback. Right. You know what I mean? And when you look at Denver, they've acquired great players in the secondary. They've acquired, you know, they have Vaughn Miller already, which I would consider to be a similar. And they, dra- they the Niners drafted Alden Smith, which is another like. But then but really, if the Broncos got Alex Smith level competence out of Drew Locke, they'd be a playoff team. So like like to me, I that's why I love over here at plus 100. I, I like I like the Chargers under nine minus 118 every once in a while. They'll get you. But betting Chargers under is just what you have to do. You know what I mean? Like last year, there were seven and a half. And now, you know, it basically imply this is, a, you know, about eight relative to last year's totals. This would be about eight and a half. Did they get a full win better fundamentally? Kind of with with Herbert. But I think there the market is expecting Herbert to be the guy he was last year, which a wasn't even that good in the sense that he was like a 15th rated passer in football and B was not all that sustainable. So I'm going under on, on the chargers as well as Denver on the over. I'm there with you. Um, so if we I, recap this new England, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Denver, LAC. Yeah, I think so. And uh, we will have on PFF.com a win totals tracker with all the write-ups. So you can go check that out. It should be up. This week, we'll, of course, have our first couple of write-ups on there. And on Wednesday, we will talk about the NFC side of things. Happy Easter, buddy. I hope you don't sleep uh, in the pink. You know, I maybe maybe I'd mix it up a little bit, get get some more manly that, colors. That's for there. Austin, by the way. Um, thank you guys for hanging out. We will see y'all on Wednesday. Peace. <laughs>